0: Hello to all you amazing Mets fans, listening to Locked on Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Mets. Well, I'll tell you, I was waiting for some big news to record the next episode of Locked on Mets on Thursday night I decided... I would wait and record an episode during the day Friday because I wasn't sure if some Bauer news would come out. Maybe we would get a trade. But instead, on Friday afternoon, we learned that Daniel Murphy had announced his retirement from baseball. So what I want to do is I want to spend the first half of the show today honoring Murph and his legacy as a great Met. And later on in the second half of the show, I will finally address the signing the Mets did make this week, which was nabbing left-handed reliever, Aaron Loop on a one-year deal. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at Ryan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsMariensOnline.com. And that's exactly where I want to start with Daniel Murphy because in October of 2015, I wrote a fan shot to be published on MetsMariens saying you got to sign this guy, but not the guy... That you think. Now, that title was shortened out to just you got to sign this guy. But the entire premise of the article is one morning I was getting fed up with the coverage talking about how the Mets had to sign UN Assessment as to an extension and hearing that it was pretty much a to completely that Daniel Murphy would be leaving the Mets in free agency. And so I got on my computer, fired up this website called Baseball Reference that I'm actually looking at right now. To this day, started digging into the numbers and started making my argument for why Murphy was the guy the Mets should be signing to that long-term deal and they shouldn't sign Cespedes. I also mentioned that they shouldn't sign Duda. And my concerns with Duda were that he was too streaky with Cespedes. I thought that he was going to get paid too much. With Murphy, I thought there was a good opportunity to sign him to a pretty reasonable contract, get him to come back become the first baseman over Duda, and when David Wright wasn't healthy, they could have slotted him back over to his natural position of third base, as well as still played him at second. And then, as the years went on, that piece aged really well. I quickly changed my major to journalism. I started writing for various publications at 12, up the Cardinal Nation, Sports, Lifestyle, and Culture, back to Mats Morales, where I'm now an editor, and just it, my entire sports career kind of started with Daniel Murphy and my passion for him sticking around with the Mets and then also doing the evidence on that article and then that gets published right before Murphy becomes Babe Ruth in the playoffs and hits home runs in six consecutive games and the Mets make this magical run to a World Series and I just I owe a lot to Daniel Murphy so when I saw today that he retired first of all it made me feel old because I could not believe. That Daniel Murphy had retired, um, but also I, I just kind of reminisced a bit about what he meant for the Mets, and you go back through his career, and at MMO, we also just had a piece talking about your favorite all-time, uh, we're going through each position, and we just did second base, and I said that Daniel Murphy was my all-time favorite Mets second baseman, and you go through his career, and I just remember that moment where it finally clicked, because there was so many years where they were shoving Murphy in left field, and he couldn't figure that out, and he just didn't have a position because David Wright, the third baseman, was entrenched in Murphy's natural spot, and eventually they stuck him at second base. It looked awkward, but it worked, and all of a sudden in 2014, he's playing in an all-star game at second base at a time where the Mets weren't a very good team, but I do remember that... That moment where Murphy is playing second base in an All-Star game. And you're just like, how did we get here? You know, because he was such a homegrown guy that was all guts and, you know, a guy that would just go out and play hard, but it never looked good. And it was always sloppy. And yet here he was, an All-Star. and Granted, he was the Mets' one All-Star, but it was still a really cool moment to see. And then in 2015, obviously, goes Supernova in the second half, leading through the playoffs and you know had such a great run then you get to that point where he's a free agent and he signs with the nationals and then he really has the best years of his career in Washington and that in of itself also kind of speaks to the Wilpon era just massive mistakes you know he signed a very very friendly contract with the nationals it was not I'm trying to get the numbers right now what was it a 3 year 37.5 million dollar deal after he refused to sign the qualifying offer from the Mets. I mean, it was not a big contract, and he goes on to hit 347 with a 390 on base percentage and a 595 slugging percentage in his first year with Washington, was second in the MVP that year, won a silver slugger and was an all-star, led the league in doubles with 47, then led the league in doubles again. The next year with 43 was an all-star again. Got some MVP votes again and won a second consecutive silver slugger. From there, the numbers began to slide a bit. He had an uneven season with injuries, playing with the Nationals and the Cubs in 2018, 2019, signs a contract with the Rockies. And I remember at the time I was writing for Sports Lifestyle and Culture, and I said, put your bets in now. Daniel Murphy is going to win a batting title because he's going to be playing in cores, and that didn't quite happen. He really slowed down offensively, and now at 36, he retires. But you go through his Mets career, a 288 hitter, a guy who had 228 doubles, drove in 402 runs, had seven really solid seasons with the Mets, was an incredible part of that 2015 team, won the NLCS MVP that year, and was just a good dude. And I think the coolest part of Daniel Murphy being on the Mets might have been before he even got there, where there was that conversation that he had with Kevin Burkhart on SNY where he was talking about his time at Jacksonville University. And he says there was a meeting at the beginning of his time there where he's a freshman, and they asked him, hey, Murphy, what position do you play? And Daniel Murphy, as a freshman, said, I bat third. That has always been... Daniel Murphy in a single quote. He was an incredible hitter. And he really did have a very nice career with the Mets. And then as he went on to play for the Nationals, the Cubs, and finally the Colorado Rockies. I hope one day Daniel Murphy is honored in the Mets Hall of Fame. I really do think he was that significant of a player that kind of defined a down period of Mets baseball that eventually culminated in that World Series run where you had those years where David Wright was the only star and he was starting to get hurt. And Daniel Murphy was just that guy. And like I mentioned, 2014, he was the guy who ended up in an All-Star game. Anyway, congratulations to Daniel Murphy on an amazing career. Uh, Wishing you the best in retirement, maybe one of these days. Find your way on Locked On Mets and I'll uh, shower you with praise. We'll see what happens. When we get back in just a minute, I want to finally talk about the sign the Mets made this week, bringing in left-handed reliever Aaron Loop. So the New York Mets made a signing on, I can't even remember what day it was, that. I think it was on Wednesday, bringing in Aaron Loop on a one-year, $3 million deal this addressed their knee in the bullpen for a left handed reliever. Obviously, he's not Brad Hand, but this is a guy coming off a very solid season with the Tampa Bay Rays, where he pitched to a 2.52 ERA. He had 22 strikeouts and 25 innings pitched, was very solid for them. His ERA plus, which measures pitchers based on a league average of 100, was 169. So now the Mets get this guy coming off a career year. And he can be a really nice asset to them coming out of the bullpen as a lefty reliever. He's got a little bit of a funky delivery coming from the side. That's going to be a nice addition for the Mets. And now you look at the lefty relievers that they have in camp. They're going to have Loop, who's going to be on the Major League roster. Jerry Blevins and Daniel Zamora will be competing for a spot out of spring training. And from there, we'll see what other pitchers get brought into the mix to continue to compete for some of those roles. But now you have a guy that you expect to be part of that opening day bullpen that throws from the left side. And also, that is very good pitching against left-handed batters. Throughout his career, he's held lefties to a 621 career OPS. So he is clearly a very good lefty specialist. You might be a little bit concerned about the new three-batter rule and him having to go out and face a minimum of three batters. But you know what? If you're in a tough spot at the end of an inning where there's two outs and you have Freddie Freeman up, Aaron Loop is a guy you can call on who can get that big out. And you know what? He doesn't have to start the next inning for you. So it's good to have a guy like Aaron Loop in the bullpen. You look at his career; he has a three-three-eight career ERA, and he has pitched over 350 innings in the big leagues. Started off with the Toronto Blue Jays, so I'm sure Marcus Stroman is very familiar with Loop. Made his debut in two thousand and twelve, pitching to a two six four ERA. Two thousand thirteen had a two four seven ERA in nearly seventy innings pitch. Two thousand fourteen he had a three one five ERA and again nearly seventy innings pitch. And then from there, starting in two thousand fifteen, the numbers started to take a dip. Eventually, he ends up leaving the Blue Jays. Two thousand eighteen signs with the Phillies. Didn't do much there. He then struggled to latch on with the Padres in 2019. Didn't really pitch much. Then had a resurgence this past year with the Rays. So he's not a sure thing, but I think he's a guy that has a very long track record. That had a solid season. You can slot into your bullpen at a very reasonable number. He doesn't pitch well. Other guys can fill in for him. But I think it's a nice low risk signing by the Mets. They now have just another arm, more pitching depth. To throw out there and we'll see what's done from here. I do think that the bullpen might be about where they want it to be at this point. They could make a couple more moves as far as bringing in guys on minor league deals. But if the idea is to get another starting pitcher so that you know Seth Lugo is going to be in the bullpen. I mean it's a pretty stacked house out there. You got Edwin Diaz, Trevor May, Seth Lugo. Jerise Familia, Dylan Batantis, Miguel Castro, Brad Brock, Aaron Loop. That's eight right there. Not even counting guys like Jacob Barnes, Robert Gazellman. I don't have the roster in front of me right now, so I might be missing a couple other names there of guys that have a decent chance of factoring into that bullpen. So it's already pretty full. It's a big glut of relievers right now. The Mets might make some trades still to get off some money. Maybe they can find partners the take on Dellin Batansis and or Dries Familia. But for now, you got a lot of arms out there, not a lot of room to be adding more relief pitchers. So with that being said, if the Mets can maybe get another starter so that their rotation is full and you could go with Jacob deGrom, Stroman, Carrasco, David Peterson, and another addition, then Lugo slots back into the bullpen. You still have other guys like Joey Lucchese for depth in the rotation, as well as Sam McWilliams and Corey Oswald. The bottom line, the Mets went into last season with a lot of question marks, right? After Syndergaard had the Tommy John, after Marcus truman opted out, I mean, there was they were very thin across the board throughout their pitching staff. Now they have a very deep roster of pitchers that can factor in for 162 game seasons. Aaron Loop is just another one of them. Now, the question is, do the Mets get the big fish in Trevor Bauer? And that would really solidify their rotation and everything else. If we're just talking about the on-field product, I mean, Trevor Bauer would take this team to another level. And that seems to be the guy that we're really looking at right now. Because you look around baseball and what else is out there, and I think it's either going to be signing Trevor Bauer, signing Jackie Bradley Jr., or looking at the trade market. Nolan Arenado right now appears to be potentially going to the Cardinals. And the Mets don't have any interest right now. And in hopping into that mix to acquire him. We don't know about Chris Bryant. We don't know what else is out there. So when it comes to spending that $30 million that's left under luxury tax. It does seem like the Mets might be saving that for Trevor Bauer. And they're going to wait and see what happens there. Because if they can get Bauer to sign on their terms, seems like that's a deal they're all over. So that is something we will continue to monitor as we head into the weekend. That'll be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets.